mic check 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 guys hey guys welcome to another episode of the chris coca podcast if this is your first time here you're welcome if you always listen please keep listening as you know we are here to demystify the era of the three c's accelerated change overwhelming complexity and tremendous competition so like i said in the month of march we are having building successful careers and today with me on the podcast i have a very great person to me he has been very instrumental in my career met him in 2019 and he has been great he has moved from microsoft spent some time at microsoft currently running his own consultant job consulting i have with me the person Lutz Zio and we are here to talk about building successful careers I mean I learned a lot from him so I reached out to him I'm like if you could just spend some time on the podcast talking to us young people how to figure it out in our career growing up and all so Lutz you're welcome to the podcast thank you Richmond and um, the pleasure is all mine uh, indeed we have met a couple of years ago and it was a mutual respect and fun to get to know each other so I'm very happy to be with you on this podcast all right thank you so uh, Luz before we go ahead you might maybe introducing yourself to my listeners I didn't give an in-depth introduction of you I just wanted to leave that to you to just introduce yourself and yeah where you have been up to since sure I'm happy to do that if there's a short way to describe my career and, and where I came from and went to, I would probably say, imagine a German history teacher who built his whole career, a global business career in learning and talent development enabled by modern technology. So there you have a history teacher <clears throat> from Germany that ended up building a global business career in technology and education. So what does that mean? Um, I would describe my career as what people often call an accidental career. So I went to school in Germany and in England. I graduated then in Germany again. My first job was for a company that doesn't exist anymore called WordPerfect, where I worked mostly in Germany. I then moved to Novell, that used to be the leader in all networking and, and collaboration. At that point in time, my sphere of influence went from Germany to the German-speaking countries to Europe, and eventually what people call EMEA, so that already um, became a, a larger area. With the help of Novell, I transferred to the headquarter of Novell in the US, which was in Utah, the state of Utah, and I took on a role as a global leader of this education sales channel. Um, from there, I moved to Chicago. Um, a company or an organization called Comtier, which was an industry association. Um, there already my, my role became global. And then in 2002, I joined Microsoft as a general manager of Microsoft Learning. Again, a global role at the headquarter in, in Seattle. <clears throat> and the last couple of years, I think it was 2013, Microsoft had an opportunity on the African continent, which I jumped on. They had a team or still have a team called the For Africa Initiative for Microsoft. And so I moved myself and my family to South Africa, to Johannesburg. And I became the Dean of the For Africa Academy with a cross-African mandate for my job. And then as you already mentioned, two or three years ago, after over 16 years at Microsoft, <laughs> I felt it was time to move on. And I became an independent learning technology consultant uh, with my own company called CEO Consulting. Wow. Okay. I, I really like your intro and I 
like the part you have been and i like the fact that you mentioned it was an accidental career from the history school teacher to now building like global um learning tech initiative so i mean what was it like growing up what did you want to be but like growing up and just can you describe your accidental career moving from history to tech like what were the inspirations and all yeah yeah i, I will i would spend that's a good question richmond i will spend a little bit more time there because i believe if you are a young person trying to figure out where to go and what to do that some of my experiences might be quite helpful and that that is the core audience obviously I became a history teacher because I followed a role model. One of my teachers at school had a great influence on my thinking and also my career choice. And I loved her. She was my history teacher I, for many, many years. And I choose a career that I saw her as a role model to do. And then at university in Germany, again, I had a great opportunity to meet a, an incredible faculty member. <clears throat> And he gave me an idea of pursuing an academic career. So I was actually slated to become a um, college uh, faculty member. Um, but what I had to realize is, although the role models made a lot of sense to me, and I liked what they did, and I, I could see myself in something like this, I realized after a couple of years that research and an academic career is not really for me. And so I was trying to figure out what to do. And at that point in time, I already was fascinated by technology. By the way, I'm a little bit older. So when I talk about technology, it was actually the first couple of personal computers. You probably will have to Google it. You probably don't know what a floppy disk is. I know, I know about that. <laughs> you, you do, but many people probably will not. So I, I hope you, you, you will Google or search for floppy disk. But anyway, I... I as a as a art student i was not and not afraid i was not afraid to introduce myself and learn myself about the new things popping up called a personal computer microsoft was barely in existence apple was dominating the first operating system i used <clears throat> wasn't even from microsoft can you imagine those kind of things right um so here I was, I thought I was slated for an academic career, but I realized how fascinated I am by technology. And I managed to kind of switch and, and think maybe a technology career is right for me. But I was never that deep in technology to become an engineer or a coder or writing my own software. And so my first job out of college actually was becoming a salesperson for software for the company that I already mentioned were perfect. So the lesson learned here for myself and maybe also interesting for your listeners is, although I had no academic background in technology, I've never sold anything, had no background in selling. I took the risk and I had the confidence to try becoming a salesperson for a software company in Germany. And I still remember in my interviewing, um, uh, Obviously, they grilled me. Why should we hire you, right? right. You, you never studied technology. You never sold something. And I came up with a, I still remember it after so many years. I came up with this wonderful uh, term of, hey, I'm really, really good at selling ideas. Selling software can't be that difficult. And apparently, the hiring manager bought that, that thing. And truth to be known, after a year or two, I was one of the top two salespeople for that company. Wow. So the lesson learned for myself, but I believe for everybody else, do the soul searching of what might you try? Have the have the audacity and the person 
asked me to get into this this new personal computer thing and then have the the uh, risk-taking mindset to say let me try so i did this radical change and because of the radical change my whole life changed i built my whole career in it and we'll do a little bit more about that later but it was a pivotal moment to make that decision wow Okay, that's 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 really great. I mean, the taking risk is what um, I want to let people take out from this. If they'll not take anything, taking risk and not being afraid to try something new can be very pivotal in building successful careers. So now let's let's go through. I mean, once you started, maybe as a sales or you go into technology, what would you say are some of the challenges and obstacles you face? I mean, coming from a background where you clearly said you don't know anything but um, you are willing to try something new or some of the challenges and obstacles you faced. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's something that I think still today um, guides my, my work and I discover over and over again. Unfortunately, what we learn at colleges and universities is 100% or nowadays maybe 90% focus on what I would call the subject matter knowledge, right? You study biology, you become a biologist. You study engineering, you become an engineer. You study history, you become a history, whatever. Yeah. Not how we show up as people, how we collaborate, how we communicate, how we um, uh, work with others, how we manage people, what being in a business means. So it's this shock getting into a company where you suddenly realize, oh my God, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand because nobody ever taught me. Nobody even actually told me that this will be important. In fact, um, Richmond, in your previous job where we got to, to know each other, right, at, at Get In, I love what they do is on teaching young people, typically that already have graduated, the other half of what it means to have a job and be successful. So in those days, I had to figure it out myself. And what I realized is things matter like communicating up and down and across, um, perseverance, trying to figure out what's important for a customer, um, being able to be relied upon, making promises and keeping them, or how to communicate bad news. And there always will be some bad news. Eventually, how to lead people. So this whole, what people in inappropriately called soft skills yeah <laughs> by the way and you you know that from your Richmond because we talked about it there's nothing soft about soft skills it's super hard and super important to learn those allegedly soft skills so i would say my first couple of years um while i was still honing in on understanding a little bit more about technology that was actually the easy part understanding how to become an effective employee initially in sales, later in business development, was the much, much harder. And I had probably two steps forward, one step back, right? So things I figured out, and then I also fail, um, failed in figuring them out. But that was really important. And what I did learn is, is to be curious, always ask questions. What I did learn is to listen very carefully when people give me um, um, feedback. What I listened, uh, what I also figured out eventually is what I call a growth, or people call a growth mindset. Being able to say is, I need to understand that, I need to study that, I need to invest energy there. And that means people management as well. 
right? So all those kind of things were were things that I I invested in. Let me add one more because it's it's really important. Yeah. I talked about confidence, risk taking, um, uh, perseverance, optimism. Yes, I met a lot of people that went too far in that area. Yeah. They were overconfident. They were cocky. They felt they have figured it all out. Yeah. And I saw them by and large, again and again. Sometimes after a short period of time. Sometimes after a longer period of time to fail. There is something wonderful at work if you find the right balance. I call it grounded in reality. So confidence and and risk taking on one side, but not being aloft, being not being uh, uh, without grounding in reality, so that you have a good feeling for what am I capable of. That balance helped me in my career. I eventually figured it out. That balance helped me in my career a lot. Wow! 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 Confidence. But grounded in reality, I think it's a really good point to take from this、um, episode. So I have another question. I didn't tell you this question before. <laughs> For me, it's all about you know. Currently, we are all trying to. I am young and you are old. I mean, you are retired and you know how it feels like the different phases. How did you balance at the、um, at the early stages of your career? I know you have a great family. The Lutz brand is all about like you make time for your family and all. How did you balance、um, putting in the hours to work and also being there for your family? Because it's something now people have started like building families and all family responsibilities come. How do you ensure you are in that balance such that you are not losing your life? It just work. You are not losing、um, your family as well. You are able to ground or balance both of them. Yeah. Um, by the way, age I believe is a mental stage, not necessarily <laughs> the years we have. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm digressing, Richmond. So,、um, two things.、Yeah. I would not claim that I always got the balance right and always have figured it out.、Okay. Actually, one of the biggest um, um, successes in my life that I would say is that I'm still married to the first person that I did marry. We have two、um, children who are.、Um, Who are well grounded, who are healthy, who are happy with their lives, and empathetic—you name it—and I'm very glad about that happening. If you ask my wife whether I always got the balance right, she would say probably not. <laughs> so, so what I would say is, and the good news is, I see in the younger generation, my kids are actually in about in in your generation and and your listeners' generation. I see there is a shift in values. In how to think about it, the generation that I'm from, it almost where when you have to be full in, and everything else doesn't matter. I see the younger generation having a better, different approach about it. But still, everybody has to figure it out for themselves. And the part I mentioned that I didn't always succeed, but the part that I did figure out is, I think I was empathetic and listening enough to every time when it mattered. To understand, I have to step back now. Or when I made time for the family, I was there and focused on them and dedicated to them. So I think in a, I had to work really hard and figure it out for myself. I think and hope and observe that in the the younger generation now there is a more overall feeling to get that right. Having said all that, the last point is. I've also listened to people that then go, well, I will always work nine to five, right? And I always want my Friday free, and and you name it. That's okay, but you have to understand, you get out 
what you pay in as well. And that's more attention, it's energy, it's focus. So if I run a company, I might have something that you have to complete by Monday morning, because otherwise that sale or project comes and goes. So don't tell me that on this Friday, like every Friday, you have to leave on at five o'clock. You might have to have to work through the weekend now and once because there is something that is really pressing or you have a you have a, a customer es escalation that is so bad that you are in, in the risk of losing your uh, most important customer. So I think while the balance I cherish and I encourage you to think that way. Don't forget that at the end of the day, you also have to make sure that the company as a whole becomes successful and you're part of the team. Once you get that balance and thinking right, I believe the, the world can become yours. All right. All right. Nice, nice, nice. I like your reader story. I was even about to ask um, your success stories, but I'll hold on before I ask that. So for me, I've seen you move um, working in someone's company that's like microsoft and the others and now having your own consultant so like you're an entrepreneur right now what would you say um i mean now in our generation a lot of people believe in being entrepreneurs like they don't believe in the nine to five and since you have seen both worlds or you have seen one full world of the nine to five and you are now seeing or you are still seeing the entrepreneur world what would you say are like we should take notes of with regards to like career of building either entrepreneur or building a 95 career. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I, I have good news for you there yeah. because what I'm observing is that the entrepreneurial spirit is obviously elementary and central to, to creating a startup, right? And a, a, a quite a few of the things that we already uh, discussed play a role, whether it's the risk taking, whether it's the perseverance, where it's the optimism, whether it's the drive, it's the energy, all those kind of things. Um, and if you have it in you, there's a wonderful saying that I often use from a, a well-known computer scientist and researcher called Alan Kay. The best way to predict the future is to invent it and create it. Exactly. Right. So if you have it in it, by all means, but not everybody is and it might also be a point of in time in your your life you just created a new um, family um, you have two uh, young kids it's too much of a risk so it might not be the right time but what i'm trying to explain here is most modern and successful people that show the entrepreneurial spirit some of you might, I know which one you do, some of you might already know the term intrapreneurs. And I love that term because at the end of the day, an intrapreneur is someone that acts like an entrepreneur. I own the business within a larger company. And I can give you a um, an example out of my, my own job. When <clears throat> my longest streak in my career was running Microsoft Learning as the general manager within Microsoft, right? Obviously a gigantic company. But the Microsoft learning team about different between 250 to 350 people globally had a very dedicated, um, clearly described business, which was somewhat unusual within Microsoft, right? An engineering software company, we are running a learning business. And one of the things that really helped me was to always think as if that was my business. We have, 
used, uh, we happen to have a much bigger investor into that Microsoft learning business. But at the end of the day, it was our business. And so we always came to our management chain saying, look, here's our profitability. Here's what we think we can change. Here's how we can actually differ it. And that kind of uh, entrepreneurial spirit is and was exactly what companies like Microsoft expect. And I also know about your own career, Richmond, and I have many other examples. That's what companies expect today, that you show up, even if you work for a company, as if you owned part of that business. So I think what's really good news is you're investing into your own skills, your capabilities, your characteristics, your persona can serve you really, really well, whether you want to start your own company at whatever point in time in your life, or you want well-regarded, worthwhile jobs in the industry, many of the behaviors that both sides need are very comparable, if not even identical. Okay, wow, wow, thank you. Thank you for this. So, I mean, looking back at your career, um, what would you see as some of the success stories you have had, like great points, I mean, great times. You mentioned one, being able to still be married to the one you are married to and all, but what are other, some of like success stories you, you want to share? And maybe after this success story, you can also share the down, the failure stories or the down times. But for the failure stories, I don't believe your podcast is, is geared to a two hour session. But we'll get there, so. <laughs> we can do two hours for you. <laughs> so on the success stories, uh, Richmond, I believe um, my list might surprise you and your listeners. I would indeed start with my family and my kids. At the end of the day, nothing can actually replace your overall balance, happiness and success. So I would actually lead with, I'm so happy that I, I have a intact, happy family. Uh, we are happy about uh, what our kids do, how they, they have developed, you name it, absolutely. The other thing is that two of the other things. I have created throughout my career lasting professional relationships that often ended up in, in friendships. So I can literally today between Brazil and Canada, between South Africa and England, and between Singapore and, and China as it is, I know people that are happy to pick up the phone or nowadays the social media link and have a discussion with me uh, to see me when we happen to be in each neighborhood. In fact, the is coming to visit me with her husband in Germany now on a private trip. I've managed throughout my life where I lived in Europe, in the US and in Africa to create lasting professional relationships that ended up in friendships. I cherish that a lot. The other thing that I believe is, and we haven't talked enough about people yet. So while my career was always around technology and learning, ultimately it was about people. And one of the biggest successes in my career is that I can claim, I would like to claim, that there is a handful of people that would say I was instrumental or helpful in them becoming better employees, build a career, figure out where they wanted to go. That kind of investment in people is something that I cherish a lot. And in fact, nowadays, through coaching and mentoring and, and, and so forth, 
I continue doing that because I believe it's such a wonderful way to pay it forward, as people call it, to give back to the community and at the same time help. And the last thing that I would probably say is, no, two more things. I never worked on things that I wasn't proud to be associated with. I never had a job where I was kind of feeling, uh, I'm not sure why I'm even doing that. So I was always had the privilege of working on things that I couldn't wait telling other people on what we were doing, what I was doing. That's an unbelievable privilege. And the last thing is very, very personal. I have never, at least knowingly, betrayed or took advantage of any coworker, business partner, or how people feel all the time. So unknowingly, that might have been the case. But knowingly, or when people observed me or shared with me, I've never took advantage of betrayed a coworker, a customer, or a business partner. In a 30-plus year career, I cherish being able to say that. Wow. Wow. This, this is... I really like the first point a lot where you mentioned... Um, for me, your greatest one is being able to have your family intact and see your kids do well. At the end of the day, we are all working. Um, no matter how long or how many or how much work we are putting, we should still remember we have a family to take care of because at the end of the day, they are all we've got. And okay, so I, I have um, the one question on planning for retirement and retiring, and maybe just any financial advice. I know we can have a whole session on this, but just maybe a quick advice on planning for retirement and maybe savings and a bit of finances and work. Yeah, that kind of the rat race thing, not to get caught up in it. How can we do that? As a oh, wow. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a long list. And, and obviously, you guys are at the, at the... Typically, you will be at the beginning of your career. So what I would probably say is um, on the emotional side, a lot of people warn you that that retirement can be very hard, right? Because you suddenly fall into a hole. I absolutely, and I'm pre-retired. I call it, I'm in a pre-retirement because I'm, but I don't believe I will fall in a hole. Why? Because my passion, the things that I care about, right? The love for technology, the love for learning and education, the, the growth mindset, those kind of things will are carrying me through. So I'm, I'm still busy. I'm still, um, focus on what I enjoy doing. Uh, I'm still being uh, asked to help. I'm being asked to help with podcasts and, and you name it. So my transition is very gradual and the passion and the, the mindset have helped. Now on the financial side, maybe two things. If you work hard, if you're successful, you want to reap the benefits as well, right? So um, have I treated my family have i treated myself to nice things absolutely it's a privilege to be able to um dash off to a, a short vacation two or three times a year from here to there because you can actually afford it um, i i drive a, a nice place um, which is fine but we managed as a family and again you need a spouse that supports you in that is we never spent money in an unnecessary, crazy way. We never had a mansion that was too big. We never had a sporty car that was too expensive. We never uh, uh, bought jewelry that was too expensive. We, we didn't waste money. And 
if you don't waste money and you invest somewhere cleverly, your life tends to become better. So we managed to have the balance between living well, but not wasteful. And the last thing I would say as an encouragement as well, um, so I'm, I'm by now um, just over 60. I think all my, the bulk of my financial success came in the last two decades of my life. So after I turned 40. So it's a, I, I typically divide my life in three um, chunks. So the first 20 years was all about learning and getting ready. And the next um, 20 years was about finding out what career means, what matters, what skills I need, and you name it. And then the last 20 years, the last two decades, was about enjoying the ride and reaping the benefits. Wow. So if you're sitting there and going, well, he, it's easy for him to talk about financial savings, you name it, and you're 30, be patient. You're fine. <laughs> question as i know richmond you do you're already doing all the right things to do that so cut yourself some slack give yourself some time wow be patient your time will definitely come if you're in your 30s or 20s there's no need to rush just don't waste money rather spend money wisely i think um this this is this is amazing so i have the last question not to just take more into our time I mean, so maybe final advice, um, trying to young people trying to figure it out. I know you have worked in Africa. Sometimes you have seen that sometimes people want to put in the work, but there's also lack of opportunities uh, in there. And I mean, you advise to like these kind of people, no matter what, like even if there are no opportunities, what can we start doing to start building careers or make ourselves successful? And even those who have a careers. Yeah, maybe we should have even started with that question because it's one of the most important questions. So give us um, three, four minutes, Richmond, to dwell on it a little bit because I believe it is mid one. It's probably one of the most important questions yeah. for your listeners. Um, we're not quite sure who actually coined the following term. Andela claims <laughs> your current company, it was them. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunities are not, right? right. And you in Africa live it every day. There's clearly talent is, is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. That is kind of the potentially bad news, right? You just happen to be born in the wrong place. I personally, and I'm an optimist anyway, I believe there is more good news. For example, I just literally um, uh, read the article last week. Um, when you look at the startup funding that gets into Africa, we've seen an incredible acceleration of money finally being put um, into entrepreneurs and startups in Africa. To give you an idea, <clears throat> in 2019, so three years ago, it took almost a full year, 46 weeks, to get to a $1 billion investment across all of Africa. Okay, so almost a year to have $1 billion being invested in entrepreneurs in Africa. This year, 2022, seven weeks. Wow. Seven weeks. <laughs> so in seven weeks, we've seen a billion dollars being in, erased by startups and entrepreneurs in Africa. So I, um, Microsoft amongst them, Google, uh, Facebook, Amazon, AWS, you name it, are all investing heavily on the African continent in building out the infrastructure. Actually, Andela is growing as well, right? I mean, 
um, uh, and Dela is one of the unicorns. I think we're up to about eight or nine unicorns now on the African continent. So all those signs are positive in terms of how much energy and money is going into Africa to either help create jobs or help existing companies to grow. That's the first positive sign. The second positive sign that I see, you're actually a perfect example, Richmond, right? Where do your customers sit? They don't sit in Ghana. They sit in the US or Canada and other places. Where does your company headquarters sit? It's not in Ghana. It sits in the US. So you are a living example. And I've seen more and actually I am part of that, that uh, as well. Remote work and hybrid work is increasingly becoming a, a, a reality. And one of the few good things that the pandemic COVID has resulted in is that suddenly many, many companies and people around the world realized, oh, you can be very productive and work remote, right? So my former employer, Microsoft, I think they barely now in the US are starting to bring people back into the offices. So for two years, this engine of Microsoft, same for Apple and Google, worked 100% virtually. Nobody would be able to turn around and say, hey, virtual work doesn't work. We have proven, because we had to, that it works. That creates an unbelievable opportunity for talent, wherever it sits, to find business opportunities for themselves. So I would actually encourage you to look out for, maybe even aggressively seek those opportunities and help companies to convince them that this is working. So I continue working with your former company, Richmond, as, people, as mentioned before, get innotized on building whole infrastructure, right? The Atsui Africa program is about helping young Ghanaian and other Sub-Sahara youth in Sub-Sahara Africa to develop the holistic skills that we talked earlier about, including knowing how to work remotely so they can work, for example, for European companies. I believe that's another unbelievable opportunity that didn't exist five or 10 years ago. And the last point that I would like to do, um, say is, and my career is a little bit an example for that as well. I often find when I talk to young people about the opportunities in technology that they go, well, I don't feel like coding. I, I'm not an engineer. I, 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 I like using technology, but I don't see myself creating software. And then I'm getting into my speech. I give you the short version of it. I go, perfect, because the industry needs more and more people around IT and technology. The, the CEO of, uh, of Microsoft, Satya Nadella, has coined the phrase, every company will be a software company. And it's very, very true. It doesn't matter whether you go into health or manufacturing, whether you go into agriculture or um, building, whether you go into uh, advertising or marketing, wherever you want to be those companies are increasingly technology-rich companies. So we need people that are passionate about and understand how technology can, for example, revolutionize um, agriculture, how technology can revolutionize traffic, how technology can contribute to better marketing. How to, it, I've seen people that are lawyers that are badly needed in companies around technology, right? Because they need to understand how to structure contracts in a very different world and list HR and the list goes on and on and on. So I'm inviting you, I'm almost pleading. If you have a passion for something, 
It can be chemistry, it can be agriculture, it can be health, it can be manufacturing, it, wherever you go. Try to figure out what angle and what, contrib- uh, what link exists there to technology and whether that's something for you. Because I can, almost, I can promise you that those people are badly needed by companies today and even more so moving forward. Wow, wow, wow. I think that the second point is really what a lot of people need to hear that it doesn't matter if you can code or you don't like coding or whatever. There's the need to also create this, like um, just be around the technology, what is happening, figure out how you can also contribute to the technological like revolution. Um, Lutz, I- can, I, can I Can I jump in on that one, Richmond? And one more thing is, um, I would claim that the second part of my career was all built on the point that I was able to understand cutting edge technology developments and translate them into business terms that business people could understand internally as well for customers. That was basically at the core of my my capability, understanding cutting edge technology and dissecting it and translating it into business terms. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I think you mentioned that during one of our sessions that <laughs> and it has really stuck for me. Just need to understand how the technology works and now how we can bring it to business. Um, Lutz, I'm okay. really grateful for your time. Listeners, I'm sure you have learned a lot from this episode, Building Successful Careers. Don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to take risks. So be confident, but find a, the ground between being confident and just the common reality, the common ground for reality, just that you are not overconfident and tend to fail and start putting people behind. And I also like the fact that um, it's important to also start like thinking of retirement, not wasting money, but using money like in a very sensible way. And I like the fact that you built your career, one of your greatest success stories, having a great family. At the end of the day, you still have your family intact. So even as we build our careers, I mean, for the next, I mean, for my target audience, for the next 20, 30 years, we should be able to look back and say, I'm proud that in as much as I built a great career, I still have my family intact. I still have things intact. So just let's find the balance. I'm really grateful for your time, grateful for your mentorship as well. I'm sure others have benefited greatly from this session. So listeners, as you know, we are here to demystify the era of the three C's, accelerated change, overwhelming complexity, tremendous competition. I hope you enjoyed this. Bye. Thank you, Richmond. Bye-bye.